President Kimball, who would have liked so much to be with us, as I have Sister Kimball, his very faithful and beloved wife, to read a talk that he had prepared for you, Sister Kimball. I assure you, my brothers and sisters, I feel very inadequate to speak for my husband. I'd like to tell you how very, very disappointed he is not to be here. It's just almost more than he can control to uh, be confined when he wants so much to do the work to which he has been called. I'll read exactly as he has dictated. My beloved sisters, I have been looking forward for months to the pleasure of meeting with you, dear sisters, once again in a worldwide conference of the Women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Unfortunately for me, I am in the hospital here in Salt Lake City and will not be present with you in person. But I will be with you in spirit. In fact, I will be watching and listening here in my room at the LDS Hospital. The counsel given at our meeting last year is still appropriate. Whenever I reflect and ponder upon the glorious truths of the gospel, and that is often, I wonder if we even begin to appreciate the implications of these glorious truths. Let us begin with a few examples. The scriptures and the prophets have taught us clearly that God, who is perfect in his attribute of justice, is no respecter of persons. We know also that God is perfect in his love for each and all of us as his spirit children. When we know these truths, my sisters and associates in this divine cause, it should help us greatly as we all experience much less than perfect love and perfect justice in the world. If in the short term we are sometimes dealt with insensitively and thoughtlessly by others, by imperfect men and women, it may still cause us pain, but such pain and disappointment are not the whole of life. The ways of the world will not prevail, for the ways of God will triumph. We had full equality as his spirit children. We have equality as recipients of God's perfected love for each of us. The late Elder John A. Widso wrote, the place of woman in the church is to walk beside the man, not in front of him nor behind him. In the church there is full equality between man and woman. The gospel, which is the only concern of the church, was devised by the Lord for men and women alike. Within those great assurances, however, our roles and assignments differ. These are eternal differences with women giving, being given many tremendous responsibilities of motherhood and sisterhood, and the men the tremendous responsibilities of fatherhood and the priesthood. But the man is not without the woman, nor the woman without the man in the Lord. Both a righteous man and a righteous woman are a blessing to all those their lives touch. Remember in the world before we came here, Faithful women were given certain assignments, while faithful men were foreordained to certain priesthood tasks, 
While we do not now remember the particulars, this does not alter the glorious reality of what we once agreed to. You are accountable for those things which long ago were expected of you, just as we are those who we sustain as prophets and apostles. Even though the eternal roles of men and women differ, as we indicated in, to you a year ago, this leaves much to be done by way of parallel personal development for both men and women. In this connection, I stress again the deep need each woman has to study the scriptures. We want our homes to be blessed with sister scriptorians, whether you are single or married, young or old, widowed or living in a family. Regardless of your particular circumstances, as you become more and more familiar with the truths of the scriptures, you will be more and more effective in keeping the second great commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Become scholars of the scriptures, not to put others down, but to lift them up. After all, who has any greater need to treasure up the truths of the gospel on which they may call in their moments of need than do women and mothers who do so much nurturing and teaching. Seek excellence in all your righteous endeavors and in all aspects of your lives. Bear in mind, dear sisters, that the eternal blessings which are yours through membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are far, far greater than any other blessings you could possibly receive. No greater recognition can come to you in this world than to be known as a woman of God. No greater status can be conferred upon you than being a daughter of God who experiences true sisterhood, wifehood, and motherhood or other tasks which influence lives for good. True, there are some temporary differences and some constraining circumstances. Some of you have lost your husbands through death, others through divorce. Some of you have not yet had the great privilege of marriage. But on the scale of eternity, the missing of these blessings shall be but for a small moment. Others of the sisters are experiencing the anguish that often goes with aging. Still others of you now know the uncertainty of being young as you ponder your place in the eternal scheme of things. But real as these challenges are, all of you need to drink in deeply the gospel truths about the eternal nature of your individual identity and the uniqueness of your personality. You need more and more to feel the perfect love which our Father in Heaven has for you and to sense the value He places upon you as an individual. Ponder upon these great truths, especially in those moments when, in the stillness of such anxiety as you may experience as an individual, you might otherwise wonder and be perplexed. Remember, too, as we focus on the glories and importance of family life here, that all of us belong to the eternal family of our Father in Heaven. Be assured, too, that all faithful sisters, who, through no fault of their own, do not have the privilege during their second estate of being sealed to a worthy man, will have that blessing in eternity. On occasions when you ache for that acceptance and affection 
which belong to family life on earth, please know that our Father in heaven is aware of your anguish and that one day he will bless you beyond your capacity to express. Sometimes to be tested and proved requires that we be temporarily deprived, but righteous women and men will one day receive all, think of it, sisters, all that our Father has. It is not only worth waiting for, it is worth living for. Meanwhile, one does not need to be married or a mother in order to keep the first and second great commandments, those of loving God and our fellow fellow men, on which, Jesus said, hang all the law and all the prophets. Some women, because of circumstances beyond their control, must work. We understand that. We understand further that as families are raised, the talents God has given you and blessed you with can often be put to effective use in additional service to mankind. Do not, however, make the mistake of being drawn off into secondary tasks which will cause the neglect of your eternal assignments, such as giving birth to and bearing the spirit children of our Father in heaven. Pray carefully over all your decisions which you make. We wish you to pursue and to achieve that education, therefore, which will fit you for eternity as well as for full service to immortality. In addition to those basic and vital skills which go with homemaking, there are other skills which can be appropriately cultivated and which will increase your effectiveness in the home, in the church, and in the community. Again, you must be wise in the choices you make, but we do not desire the women of the church to be uninformed or ineffective. You will be better mothers and wives both in this life and in eternity if you sharpen the skills you have have been given and use the talents with which God has blessed you. There is no greater and more glorious set of promises given to women than those which come through the gospel and the Church of Jesus Christ. Where else can you learn who you really are? Where else can you be given the necessary explanations and assurances about the nature of life? From what other source can you learn about your own uniqueness and identity? From whom else could you learn of our Father in Heaven's glorious plan of happiness? The gospel answers are the only true answers to the questions which women and men over the centuries have raised about themselves, about life, and about the universe. How good, how good God has been to us all in blessing us with these answers and assurances, even though these truths place upon us serious and everlasting obligations. How special it is for Latter-day Saint women to be given the lofty assignments they have been given by our Father in Heaven, especially those of you who have been privileged to be born in this part of this last dispensation. Let other women pursue heedlessly with what they perceive as their selfish interests. You can be a much-needed force for love and truth and righteousness on this planet. Let others selfishly pursue false values, but God has given to you the tremendous task 
of nurturing families, friends, and neighbors, just as men are to provide. But both husband and wife are to be parents. Finally, my dear sisters, may I suggest to you something that has not been said before, or at least in quite this way. Much of the major growth that is coming to the Church in the last days will come because many of the good women of the world, in whom there is often such an inner sense of spirituality, will be drawn to the Church in large numbers. This will happen to the degree that the women of the Church reflect righteousness and articulateness in their lives and to the degree that the women of the Church are seen as distinct and different in happy ways from the women of the world. Among the real heroines in the world who will come into the Church are women who are more concerned with being righteous than with being selfish. These real heroines have true humility, which places a higher value on integrity than on visibility. Remember, it is as wrong to do things just to be seen of women as it is to do things to be seen of men. Great women and men are always more anxious to serve than to have dominion. Thus, it will be that the female exemplars of the Church will be a significant force in both the numerical and the spiritual growth of the Church in the last days. No wonder the adversary strives even now to prevent this from happening. Regardless of who is getting the adversary's special attention at any given time, he seeks to make all people miserable like unto himself. Indeed, he seeks the misery of all mankind. He is undeviating in his purposes and is clever and relentless in his pursuit of them. As we approach the general conference with its priesthood session, we will be no less loving or direct with the brethren, for our counsel will be similar. We love you, sisters. We have confidence in you. We rejoice in your devotion. We are greatly heartened by your presence, not only tonight, but in this portion of this dispensation, wherein your talents and spiritual strength are so desperately needed. May God bless you so that all the previous blessings promised to you will become a reality in this life and in the world to come. I know that God lives, that Jesus is his only begotten Son, the Redeemer of the world, and that this is the Church of Jesus Christ with him as its head. I, believe this I leave this testimony with you with my love and my blessings, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. President Tanner and President Romney, President Benson and these beloved brethren, and I too, would like to pay tribute to Sister Spafford and Sister Sharp and Sister Madsen for being in the audience with us this night. It has been such a joy and a privilege to follow, to try to follow in their footsteps, and I rejoice in the privilege of having them with us. I want you to know that it is a great honor and a privilege to be with you, the sisters that I love and that I want to serve, as our Heavenly Father would have me do.
and I am grateful to this choir, who has stated so beautifully in music one of the most important questions a Latter-day woman can ask. O oh God, who gave me a woman's heart, a woman's mind, a woman's tongue, what wouldst thou desire of me? It's a simple question asked tonight with the pleading of 400 voices, yet repeated silently by each of us who also ask in prayerful supplication, What wouldst thou desire of me? The scriptures reveal one woman's response to the very same question. The woman, Queen Esther, her questioning moment was a hard and very lonely one when her uncle Mordecai sent her word that she should go into the king and plead for him to spare her people from their planned destruction. Esther, though queen, had no right to go to the king unless he called for her to come. The king had absolute power. She had no right of appeal. But she really was the only one with possible entrance to the throne and his power. Her uncle reminded her, Who knows, but that thou wast sent to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther had the strength born of good teaching. It enabled her to determine to ask all of the Jews of the kingdom to fast and pray with her. It was then she made personal preparation by looking her most beautiful as she went to see the king. With every step, she must have wondered, will he hold out his royal scepter? Will he condemn me to death? Will he banish me to poverty and oblivion? She stood before him young and beautiful and calm, knowing that she was totally vulnerable. She also knew that she had appealed to God for help and that there was a great moral wrong about to be committed. She had to be responsible to God who made her, no matter what the mortal consequences. Each woman in today's world has responsibilities akin to those which Esther faced. The circumstances of each life are significantly different. Yet each woman faces the challenge of being true to the principles of the gospel if she would improve the quality of her mortal life and make herself worthy of the opportunity of eternal progression. She should begin by understanding who she is and that she has a magnificent potential as a daughter of God. Her goals, then, should be lofty. The scriptures say, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Quickly I caution that this is not an obtainable goal in one step, or in one day, or in one year. It takes a lifetime of conscious effort, of striving and learning and living to become a very special woman. It was in 1874 when Eliza R. Snow said, quote, Paul the Apostle anciently spoke of holy women. It is the duty of each of us to be a holy woman. We all have elevated aims if we are holy women. We shall feel that we are called to perform important duties, and no one is exempt from them. 
There is no sister so isolated and her sphere so narrow, but why she can do a great deal towards establishing the kingdom of God upon the earth." Unquote. The method outlined by the Lord is to learn. Learn line upon line, precept upon precept. Set realistic goals that, so that you can feel the joy of victory over yourself. Such a victory is being won by a friend of mine with a large family. She has 12 children, and although she has lots of days of discouragement, generally speaking, she is out of bed early to exercise. She hates to exercise, and so she hurries and gets it out of the way. Next, she reads the scriptures, and she enjoys that so much that she has to make herself stop at the determined one-half hour. And she prays, sharing her gratitude and all of her concerns with the Lord. And this way she feels his guidance and his direction, even when things don't work out the way she had planned. She has a positive, happy attitude as she greets her children. I wish all of us could attend to our homemaking responsibilities with the vision of my friend. She certainly hasn't obtained perfection in her home. But she does realize that even though her children don't practice the piano every day, if they continue to practice at least a little, that they will develop the recognition necessary to love music and enrich their lives through it. She knows the great challenge of living within her husband's paycheck, but she also knows the importance of loving him and loving their children and laughing with them. Perhaps she may not be aware that C.S. Lewis has wisely said that homemaking, quote, is surely in reality the most important work in the world. What do ships, railways, mines, and governments exist for? except that people may be fed and warmed and safe in their own homes. We wage war in order to have peace. We work in order to have leisure. We produce food in order to eat it. So yours is the job for which all others exist." End of quote. If we could listen to the earnest pleadings of the prayers of my friend, they would probably be very much like yours and mine. Even though I am well aware of the fact that all women cannot stay at home but must seek employment to supplement or supply the family income, they should be commended because it is not an easy role but one that is vitally important. But I hope that their prayers are raised to the Lord for his affirmation of their decision to accept employment away from their small children only when absolutely necessary. When employment away from the home is secured for the right reasons, a woman should feel confident and serve happily. You are wonderful women. You do what needs to be done. My heart was deeply touched by the obedience of sisters I recently met in a country at war. I heard the Branch Relief Society president commend them for their commitment to the work of the Lord and to each other during the perilous times they faced each day. She said, You never know when you step outside your door whether you'll be attacked by terrorists 
And yet, you do your visiting teaching, and you attend all of your church meetings. You are courageous women who would do a mighty work quietly in such a time as this. Like Esther, we must fortify ourselves so that when hard or lonely moments come, we can call upon God for His strength, His wisdom, and His vision that we might act according to righteous principles. The haunting challenge of Mordecai rings out to us today. Who knows but that thou wast sent to the kingdom for such a time as this. We can rejoice in being among those the Lord has sent to the kingdom to accomplish his work, to raise children unto him, to spread his gospel, to prepare a generation to greet him on his return. May we all rise to the challenge of being holy women in these latter days, that this chosen generation and holy nation might show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. For he lives and he loves us. I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. President Tanner and President Romney and brethren, Sister Kimball and Sister Tanner, and I have to honor Sister Spafford and Sister Jacobson who are sitting uh, there in front of us. It's a wonderful thing to be here. I've been watching the mothers and the daughters uh, put their arms around each other in turn in this great building, uh, the wonderful renewal of friendships. This is a very special time for us, and we thank you, brethren, for giving us this opportunity. The sweep of sisterhood fills this tabernacle as I speak to you from Temple Square, and it goes across the world to all of you women who are gathered together wherever, who love the Lord and who want to learn more about Him and His will for us as women. I'm conscious of the many who can't be hooked in with us tonight especially those who aren't English-speaking, and I yearn for the time when we can all join together under similar circumstances. May such a time as this fill your hearts and lift your spirits and give you hope and help you sort out your thinking and fortify you so that you will always find yourself on the Lord's side, sisters, in a world that is bent upon pulling us women in another direction. Now, for some time, there has been an enormous fuss made about women. Uh, some of it has been made by women in honor of themselves. But I'm, I'm not sure that girls are any safer on the streets or women any happier in their lives or that any of us is any more effective in our service, and I'm not sure we're anybody looking, any better looking because of all of this furor. But it has been an interesting season. Now for all that this is the day of the woman, I pay tribute to you, brethren, who lead us, who bless us, who pray over us and with us, 
and who would gladly raise their voices more frequently in our defense if only we would let them raise their voices. I'm thankful to be a Mormon woman, and I'd be ashamed and I'd be deprived if I weren't one, Sister Shumway. It is exciting to be an active participant in the very best-kept secret in history, and that's how much is being done for us as Mormon women and for all the women in the world by these, our brethren, uh, that I pause to honor at this brief moment. LDS women are not only protected, they are privileged, and life is full of incredible and unique promise for us. So you brethren, we love you. We marvel at all you are and all you do, and we honor the priesthood of God which you bear, and we appreciate the errand that is yours. And we women want to help not hinder. Now, sisters, it's about being a help and prepared helpers that I would speak to you now. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians something that expresses my feelings for all of you, wherever you are and whoever you are and whatever situation you find yourself in life. But we were gentle among you, wrote Paul, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. And so, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. And so what we say tonight, we say in gentleness, but not without strong feeling. The women of this Church today need to be prepared personally prepared. First, to stem the tide of error that is inundating the world and threatening our families and our traditional lifestyles and short-circuiting the power of individuals. And secondly, we need to be prepared because though we have great brethren to lead us, we need to know for ourselves what is truth and what is error so that we can make valid value judgments. So much depends on this. And thirdly, we need to grow and develop so that we are prepared to contribute. We each have a mighty errand of our own to do. Now, sisters, remember, a woman doesn't need to stay in her house to be in the home. And neither does she need to leave her home to extend her influence to others. Either way, she'll be more effective on her errand if she has studied the gospel and reached up and beyond her own first associations. And the sooner we start this preparation, the sooner we'll soar. Proper preparation for service doesn't happen overnight. Growth is gradual. Line upon line, one strength upon another is built. One day a little girl, next day a woman. Sunrise, sunset, the nostalgic sun reminds us. And so it is. Tonight you may be 12, but suddenly you're in a holding pattern just past 40. <laughs> now, recently I stood with Sister Kimball 
while President Kimball greeted the little children at an area conference, and suddenly a young mother-to-be rushed toward her and threw her arms around Sister Kimball and hugged her and said, Oh, Sister Kimball, you're so beautiful, so serene, and so supportive to your husband. And then she cried afresh, and when she found her composure again, she said, Oh, Sister Kimball, this is what my husband says I'm supposed to be. <laughs> well, Sister Kimball is a woman... That is all that that sister said and more. But she spoke quietly to her and she said, Never mind. It will come. I wasn't like that at your age either. (laughs) And the young woman went away comforted. The beginning wasn't the end. And she lifted her head in hope, as I believe we all must do, and moved steadily forward in ultimate faith that the end can be better than the beginning, wherever we start. I don't deny the struggle. It's the essence of Eden. But personal progress is what this life is all about. And we must begin at once to work our plan of life, deciding to whom and to what we will give our fullest attention, our highest loyalty, and our deepest commitment, and which leaders we will follow. I plead for a stir among the sisters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for intelligent and prayerful preparation for performance that is in line with what our Heavenly Father wants for us personally and what He needs for us to do as women. He lives. Oh, He lives. And He cares. He knows. He understands. He will help us. And He has established this Church and called a prophet to lead us. Keep close to the Lord and listen to him, sisters. Keep close to the prophet and listen to him. And keep close to the church and the programs and its leaders. Now, President Kimball spoke at General Conference in April about people and plateaus and the critical need for each of us to grow and to get off the constricting ground and move forward. Was anybody listening? Individually, are we moving forward as rapidly as our growing church? Or would we have drowned in Noah's day or been caught polishing the golden calf with Aaron's people? Our lack of personal progress can impede the Savior's work. I don't want to seem simplistic, but sisters, let's move it. Like our brethren, we have a mighty errand of our own, and it requires our best preparation our constant reaching out to learn, to grow from the lessons of life, and to learn from our leaders and from the Lord. There is so much to do. There are so many who don't know what we know, who don't have what we have, sisters. So may we be gentle and affectionately desirous of others as we impart not only the gospel of God, but our own souls to those who have need of us. It is, after all, the only cause grand enough for a woman's precious energies. I love the Lord, and I love you, and I love our brethren, and I pray that we may all be blessed to be what we ought to be when we ought to be it. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. President Tanner, President Romney, President Benson, and brethren of the General Authorities who are here with us, 
May I add my appreciation for this blessed opportunity to be together again as women throughout the world, gathered together to hear words of encouragement and direction. And to each one of you, my dear sisters, I extend my greetings and my love. I am humble as I sense my awesome responsibility this evening. I have prayed fervently to know what I might say. The Spirit has directed my thoughts towards children, specifically little girls. Just a few weeks ago, I answered the telephone in my office. A tear-filled voice on the other end of the line asked, Grandma? Well, above the sobs, I recognized my daughter's voice and joyfully exclaimed, Really? Yes, she said. It's a girl. Words cannot express feelings at such a sacred moment. My heart almost burst with gratitude to a loving father who had answered many prayers. And then as I witnessed our daughter mothering that sweet spirit who had so recently left the presence of our Father in heaven, I almost felt our Savior's arms around me, and I knew of his love for our daughter in entrusting this new spirit to her tender and loving care. My soul filled with thanksgiving. I'm sure all you grandmothers will agree with me, though, that it's not easy to be humble on these blessed occasions, especially when you're the grandmother of the world's most beautiful children. <laughs> well, since that memorable moment, my thoughts have turned, perhaps even more than ever before, to wondering what kind of women our three little granddaughters and other little girls will someday become, and what kind of a world they will find themselves in when they do become women. A large part of the answer lies in our hands, yours and mine and other women of the world. In these days of tumult, confusion, and anxiety, we must remember that our girls, too, are being tested at this time of vibrant challenge and promise and opportunity. Teaching and rearing them is a sacred trust and a solemn responsibility. Louisa May Alcott refers to girls as little women, and we recognize them as potential leaders in our Father's kingdom. They first come into our lives as helpless babies with whom we quickly develop strong heart ties. It begins with tying booties and baby bonnets. A few years later, we find ourselves tying pigtails and pinafore bows. Whimsically, I've reflected that in their teenage years, they pick up the pattern by tying up the telephone, the bathroom, the family car, and our purse strings. Lovingly, we accept and enjoy those years that glide swiftly into that time when we must cut the apron strings so that marriage knots may be tied. Usually it isn't long until we become grandmothers and experience another renewal of the ties that bind. Then the cycle begins all over again. The universal experience of childhood is marked by common needs and development. Although it occupies only a small fraction of the lifespan, it has been proved that these are the most crucial years in determining and influencing the course of adult life. How important it is that in these crucial years we tighten the seed knots of prayer 
testimony, and the joy of righteous living. How often we should remember that the Lord has encouraged us to be not weary in well-doing, for ye are laying the foundation of a great work, and out of small things proceedeth that which is great. If from our girls of today there will proceed that which is great, and I believe this to be true, then in their crucial years we must help them understand that they are daughters of a loving Father, handmaidens of the Lord, and heirs to the joyous blessing of being a woman. One of the most beautiful examples of this relationship is found in the book of Luke, in the verses known as Mary's Song. Mary had just received the blessed visitation of the angel, who revealed her special role in the good news and glad tidings our Father in heaven had planned for us. She was to be the mother of Jesus Christ, our Savior. The scriptures record only a small portion of the dialogue between Mary and her heavenly visitor. But Mary's expressions of joy tell us that the blessed plan of salvation was unfolded and she understood the role she would play. Her loving response was, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. At that moment, Mary committed her life to bringing our Savior into mortality. And we as Latter-day Saints know that he had already committed his life unto death for us. When we as women and our girls as daughters of our Heavenly Father fully understand this, then the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes not a religion of habit, but one of commitment. This commitment can then release us from the bondage of fear and confusion and hesitation in which we sometimes find ourselves in these difficult times. We can only be as strong as we must be when we are truly committed. While as women we are expected to lead the way, often children point the way. An example of this is the little girl who, when asked by an evangelist which church she belonged to, answered proudly, I'm a Mormon. Well, he said, and if you did not choose to be a Mormon, what would you be? Shyly but with conviction, she replied, I'd be ashamed. <laughs> Look to tomorrow. I recently heard it expressed in three potent words. Think tomorrow today. Tomorrow comes marching forward on the feet of little children. The strength or weakness of tomorrow lies in the hands of our children. A girl is the only thing God has created that can become a woman. And what a glorious blessing it is to be a woman, regardless of our assignment, our calling, our physical conditions of age and circumstance, and despise those who seek to divert us from the role for which we were designed. Our beloved prophet Spencer W. Kimball expressed it in this way. It is a great blessing to be a woman in the Church today. The opposition against righteousness has never been greater, but the opportunities for fulfilling our highest potential have also never been greater. Regardless of our age or own assignment in life, our charge as women today is to set an example and lead the way for our precious little women girls, committed as never before to joyously accepting our role and our responsibility as women. 
May we move forward and upward as daughters of God toward the great fulfillment of our lives, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.